0: Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to A Day in the Life of Your Brain with me, Martin. Um, In this episode, I will be interviewing Solange Roy, um, and I just want to label out the triggers like I always do before the episode. Um, So we're going to be talking about stuff like anxiety, depression, body dysmorphia, sexual assault, uh, suicide, self-harm, molestation, addiction, drugs, alcohol... We, we pretty much get really into it about so many different topics. It's, um, it was a great chat, and it was great to listen to her story. Um, once again, I want to thank everybody for the support. And I just want to say a big thank you to Solange, who came out of a way to do this interview with me. Um, I really appreciate it. So guys, please give a listen and tell me what you think. Thank you very much again. Hey guys, uh welcome back to A Day in the Life of Your Brain with me, Martin. Um I just want to thank you all for tuning in uh for the third episode. Um the support that has gone out has been phenomenal. The feedback has been amazing. I uh I never dreamed of the feedback or support like this. This is incredible. So um let's just keep it going. Um today I'm interviewing uh Solange. Uh did I did I say that right? You did.
1: Hello. Nailed
0: it. Uh, so this is Solange um how how why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself there Salon?
1: well uh 30 I'm gonna be 36 in October living in Ontario currently but I've kind of lived all over this beautiful country of ours spent most of it in BC however was born here in Ontario um you're back in I, Ontario I <laughs> yeah I spent about like five months back in BC and then I came back here in January so are you in Elliot Lake again i am
0: (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know that i didn't know
1: that yeah sure i do love it here though as much as it is a i can't remember what you guys called it on the other episode like a hole or something it's a sinkhole it's it's a sinkhole yeah that's what it was can't get out of it Uh, i love it though it's beautiful you just gotta avoid the bullshit (laughs) it's
0: true it's true the teenage drama yeah that affects everybody from ages 16 to 50
1: <laughs> <laughs> around here yeah oh yeah indeed
0: true it's very true so um i'm I, it's funny because i'm in a little bit of uncharted waters because um i know you but i don't know you terribly well uh, as compared to like bailey or lauren as i previously interviewed so this is amazing this is excellent that it's reached to the point of um even um friends that i'm not properly talking to every day has reached out and wanted to be on the podcast so if you don't mind me asking why did you want to come on the podcast
1: um because you're you're doing this for a cause that I believe in and it's basically just unraveling the stigma that is mental health um being you know 35 I've been suffering for a long time and and my the the help that I've been able to get in the medical field has not been so great. So, I mean, yeah, it it took me a really long time to be able to navigate this stuff. So it's, you know, if anything, if anything that I can share helps somebody out there, then, yeah, I'm all for it. Amazing.
0: That's why we're here. That's why we do this, right? Hmm. So if you don't mind me asking, um, what mental health uh, I guess issues or problems or dilemmas do you do you suffer from or have? Uh,
1: most commonly would be depression and anxiety. Um, I you know over the years of my journey and struggles and trying to kind of figure out why I am the way that I am. I'm. Um, I, I've had it mentioned a couple of times, and I've been looking into wondering if maybe I have BPD. Okay. So I've that's seen borderline personality borderline disorder. personality disorder. Yes, yes. Not bipolar. I mean, sure, my my moods can get you know up and down, <laughs> but uh, it's more of like why they're going up and down, and and what is causing my struggles to make me so erratic at times and and super emotional. Yeah,
0: I'm actually I'm actually diagnosed with BPD as well heard, so yeah. and it's uh it is a roller coaster ride I can confirm. So maybe
1: after this chat I can pick your pick your brain a little bit about that cuz I, I I yeah, I still don't know much about it. I just know that I've had like um a counselor or two mention to me and also a friend um so, so your anxiety your
0: depression
1: it. is that professionally diagnosed
0: or is a self-diagnosed? It is, is it self-diagn- it's professionally diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. And your self-diagnosis um is BPD or is there more?
1: Uh no, I would I would think just BPD. Um I I do struggle a lot with my emotional meter, so to speak. So I don't know. I just feel like there's something something else that's there besides just being sad and and, and anxious. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It's the fact that it comes on in a heartbeat as well. It's it's never um, premeditated or anything like that. And it could be you could be just having the greatest day of your life. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, oh, wait a second, why am I? I don't want to be here right now. Why, why don't I want to be here right now? I, Ten seconds ago, I was laughing. Now I'm i want to run for that door mm-hmm. so I, I get that and it's it's very confusing because i was i've had adhd since i was five and then i was diagnosed with anxiety and depression at 18 professionally uh 19 sorry professionally and then it wasn't until i was about 22 that uh eupd is what i have which is a uh, by, i guess a byproduct to bpd it stands for Emotionally unstable personality disorder. Okay. Uh, which is which? It, it literally is BPD. It's just a a softer way of saying it. Yeah. Oh. Softer way. And it's I'm just... like, what? Emotionally unstable
1: personality disorder? That is not soft. That does not sound like a cushion. No. <laughs> no. No. You're no. not really not making this any better for us. Yeah. No, exactly.
0: <laughs> so how do you cope day to day with your with your, I guess, your diagnosis? Um, is.
1: It, it was a struggle for a while. So just because like I was diagnosed professionally um, by a psychiatrist, moderate to severe depression and anxiety, and this was in 2017. And uh, I've been struggling with suicidal thoughts for as long, if not longer. Um, when I was much younger, around 16, 17, I tried getting diagnosis then, um, but I don't feel like I was taken seriously at all. Just kind of, you're just a teenager, you're just looking for attention, you're just being dramatic, you know. Yeah. Stop crying about it, here you go on out the door. And uh, it's been kind of just self, um, self-work since then, you know, and it took me down a really destructive path pretty much my entire life (laughs) Uh, after your diagnosis or pre-diagnosis pre pre pre-diagnosis pre-diagnosis yeah and and also after diagnosis i did uh around uh yeah 2018 2019 i was i was um really struggling with with drugs and alcohol uh, yeah
0: that was your um escape mechanism is that is that what you would call your escape mechanism was drugs and
1: alcohol It it was. Yeah, it certainly was the go to. Like, I didn't know why I was partying so much. I just it felt good. So I did it. You know, I didn't know why I was doing the things that I did. I just knew that I was unhappy. And this was
0: if uh, it gives you the dopamine, then that's what you want. Right. Exactly. But uh, Yeah. I know that because mine was when I attempted to take my own life the first time when I was 18, when I hung myself um my escape mechanisms was self harm and alcohol mm-hmm. as well um i don't really drink too much anymore i drink every now and then but that's fine but i did used to just drink to laugh that's all i wanted to do i knew that i could laugh if i drank so mm-hmm. i would drink and i would just laugh and it would feel i'd feel normal again
1: yeah as you, as you... it was You'd give give less of a shit about things while you're exactly. y- while you were under the influence, you know? And people don't
0: understand how much you really do overthink. Do you suffer from that overthinking? Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my god. And people don't understand. They're just like, oh, like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, Jesus Mary, I know it's not that big of a deal, but,
1: but when you feel like you have three trains running the same course in your brain endlessly and you just you can't turn it off yeah yeah
0: it's, if training gets to the station <laughs> exactly <laughs> true right yeah. so so you were diagnosed in 2017 and yes. i actually really want to go back on this because i had the same trouble in canada um i have to say i have to give a big shout out to the irish um healthcare systems when it comes to mental health they are phenomenal mm-hmm. well they've gotten better let's say when I first moved there it was it was not great but they have gotten so good and I owe so much to the people there mm-hmm. but when I was in Canada uh when I hit 16 uh they gave me the choice to go off my ADHD medication and I said yeah of course I mean you're gonna ask a 16 year old if they want to go not off medication take their pills yeah <laughs> of course and I do not agree with that I do not mm-hmm. agree with that I agree I think I should have stayed on it don't get me wrong I was an honor roll student after I didn't take medication, but I wasn't ready. My body wasn't ready. My brain wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I think led to my downfall. But when I told people like my doctor that I was I was suffering really bad, they said the same thing as you. It was attention seeking. Mm -hmm. And it's like. So it took me having to actually take my own attempt to take my own life for people to take me seriously. To listen. Yeah. And that that's where it's bang out of order. That's where it cannot happen. Because that is the furthest extent that someone can go. And it took that extent for someone to go like this. So if you don't mind me asking, have you ever reached that extent where uh, it took that for someone to take you seriously?
1: No, it didn't. Um so The suicidal thoughts didn't start getting really strong until – my late 20s i would say you know at this point i'm just feeling more like a failure than anything because i'm going into my 30s and i'm still i still can't get my shit together right and i and i put all of that blame on me because i am a hard worker i am a good person why am i not getting ahead why am i not advancing why am i beating myself up so hard i don't want to i don't want to be like this but i am right why is there uh, an 18-year-old that's got a top top job and
0: I'm here struggling? I get I get what you mean.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. why can this person function so normally but I I can't, you know? And then people just think it's an excuse. And so that I think that's the hard been the hardest thing for me growing up and not knowing what the frig is going on is that, you know, the paranoia behind everybody thinks that you're just you're just doing an attention grab or or, or you know what I mean that it's it's a big
0: thing it's a big thing that's linked with mental health like which is why we need to break the stigma is because it's not now don't get me wrong there is some people out there that do it as an attention seeking method but you should never ever ever presume that absolutely
1: 100 percent because you never know in in any aspect of life there are going to be people who take advantage of whatever system that's out there of course, it's, it's
0: human protocols. Like, what? but there's always people like that.
1: But are you gonna are you gonna like doubt the entire system just because of a few bad apples? No, <laughs> you shouldn't. Because then it, it just it makes it everything risk. worse.
0: It's not worth taking the risk. It's really not. You got to take everyone seriously, regardless of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and um, I, I, I always hated that. I always, I really hate when people say, "Just get over it." or I've st- stopped looking for attention it's like that's those words can can be the final push for someone they can be yeah it can
1: absolutely.
0: be the final push you said yep. that you were on a destructive path what do yes. you mean by destructive path
1: uh, drugs alcohol promiscuity recklessness carelessness all sorts uh, like I've I've been in accidents under the influence and <sighs> just you know you you stop caring and then you just disregard what would be your morals realistically you know after taking a step back and getting clean I like I see now some of the things that I did and there's pretty shitty you know what I mean like I look at myself now and I'm like wow Solange you were you were that person like you You never would have wanted to be that person, so why did you do it? What was your end goal for the destructive path?
0: What were you looking for were you What were you trying to achieve?
1: I wasn't trying to achieve anything i just didn't want to i didn't want to be anymore I didn't know what I was doing um, my I've had suicidal thoughts, but I'm not suicidal I've never made an attempt I don't ever want to make an attempt but man. The feeling some days to just go out into a bush and never return, you know, or drive your car off the highway or whatever. That's that's a big one. Like I've had to pull over on the middle of the highway before. And because I'm having a breakdown, screaming at the top of my lungs in my car, thinking to myself, what the fuck is wrong with me?
0: Yeah, nothing's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you at all. It's the fact of you've been made to feel so alone that you feel like no one else knows what you're going through or or how to help. And in some aspects, it's true. And I'm loving this generation because we're starting to stand the fuck up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And we're starting to speak loud. Yes. That is what counts. It is. You know what I mean? So you said that you're clean and you're sober. Is that on everything or just drugs or if you don't mind, if you don't mind?
1: Yeah, um, well, I wouldn't say sober, like I'll enjoy the beverage every now and then, but I don't drink nearly as much as I used to. Um, I'm at the point now where I see how harmful alcohol is and can be, and and I just, I don't even want it for myself anymore. But because of my issues, so to speak, and and addiction, I really have a hard time letting go of things. Um, So... I'm clean off of hard drugs. I still use cannabis. And it's and it that was kind of a um like a stepping stone for me, you know what I mean? It's it's one step at a time. So when I knew that um basically I was I was really bad with coke. I was working in a sports bar and just Selling it, blowing it up my nose, whatever. It was every day, day and night.
0: Industry, I know it's everywhere.
1: It's so bad, right? So it was just always there, and it was always a party. Um, and then it just it got to the point where it started turning into meth, and like I had a four day bender. I was snorting meth in the bathroom at work. Like, yeah, I didn't sleep for four days, and then like. I just kept looking for more and looking for more and i you know i had a breakdown in the bathtub and my roommate was like okay i know something is going on you know what the fuck is going on and that's when i told her i was like i have to leave i have to go back to elliot lake i can't stay in this atmosphere anymore and that's the only like not everybody that i met in london was a part of that but the majority right so at that point I was just so scared, so I didn't want to leave her behind because she was a wonderful person, and mm-hmm. she she helped me through through some things, but um, I just knew that I needed to get clean, and the only way that I could do that was to just completely separate myself from that atmosphere.
0: So where were you born? Were you born in London, or were you born in BC, or Elliott Lake? I was born in actually Marathon
1: in Ontario, so that's oh. up north by Wawa. Okay, I know Wawa, yeah, yeah. And then I, I was, was raised in... I was raised in New Brunswick until I was uh, eight years old. And then that's when we moved to B.C.
0: OK, so where's the grip to Elliott Lake?
1: The the uh, well, my mother's family is from Elliott Lake. OK, I, yeah, I spent summers here as a kid. And then in 2011, uh, my mom wanted to take care of her mother, my grandmother. And uh, my dad was working in the mines at the time. So they just figured, why not? Let's just go move out there.
0: And that was the year that I left. November 2011. <laughs> november twenty eleven i well yeah. october twenty eighth twenty eleven is when i left actually so going back onto to the topic when other people confront you with mental health issues or problems how do you how do you help them what's your kind of like approach to the situation
1: listen and understanding is i mean Listening is key, but actively. So a lot of people like to think that they listen, but they don't take the time to put the pieces together, because I find that a a large issue with the troubles with mental illness is that, for the most part, we don't know what's going on, so we really don't know how to talk to it, or we might not talk about everything that's there because it's terrifying. Exactly. You know? So it's it's not just. It's not just listening and saying, oh, I I hear you, you know, we'll see what we can do. We'll find you support. But it's it's, you know, picking up those things that you don't hear as well.
0: It's true that and sometimes the heart won't tell the brain to tell the mouth what to say, Mm -hmm. you know. So you're like, what's wrong? And it's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you. But that's where just talking just listening and talking okay well how was work yeah uh you know what are you doing this weekend Mm -hmm. you know the simple things like that i I like your approach that's that's a good approach you mentioned support Do, do you get support
1: i do not as much as i would like but again i know that that is partially me that needs to reach out um my parents are not very understanding of the whole mental health thing. Um, they're they're getting around to it a little bit more because I think that they see now, now that I'm a grown-ass woman and I'm still suffering, like my mom has watched me suffer a severe panic attack before and like she's she was just blown away after she's I didn't even know who that person was. And I said, Mother, like that, that person is terrifying and it's so painful. And like I don't ever want to be that person but it comes out and i don't know why i don't know you know
0: what it's not like i have a switch where i go all right i'm turning it on (laughs) boy yeah exactly so what do you Um, do if the support doesn't help
1: um wallow for a day or so until i get back on my feet i always just kind of get back on my feet and i do a lot of reading
0: Is that what you would call your, I guess, like, not support mechanism, but like, I call it a breather. Music Mm -hmm. is my breather. Gaming is my breather. Gaming, for sure.
1: Yeah. No, uh, when I need an escape, it would definitely be gaming because then that's, you know, you're putting your mind in a whole nother world, right? But not just that. It's something that
0: you're good at. Yeah. It's like, oh, I know I'm good at this. Something I'm actually freaking
1: good at. Speak for yourself. I kind of suck at gaming, but I still enjoy it.
0: <laughs> it depends. You see, I play story based games, so I'm uh, always good. <laughs> I'm not competing with anybody. Yeah. No. <laughs> Screw that. Do you um,
1: do you take medication then? I do. Yes. I do. Uh, so since 2017, it was, um, you know, a little road to try different medications that would work for me. And it has so- to be done. It, and it does. Yeah. So, I mean, there was one medication, it just it made things even worse to the point where I had social anxiety and, you know, not agoraphobia, but like I, I remember I went to the gym one day and then just all of a sudden I'm on the treadmill and I froze up and I'm like, I can't be in here anymore. And I went into my car and cried like, it was like what's wrong with me? Like I've, I go yeah. to the gym all the time, you know, and I'm like, okay, this med- medication's just not working. And then, you know, we went and it takes time, swapped it out, tried something else. Um, I still have thoughts of suicide every now and then. Like I have my my low moments, but for the most part, I'm really good. I'm, you know, I'm back here now and things I've, I've had to kind of restart my life many times. And this is one of them. So and it's been tough, too, especially with the rental market right now.
0: Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> but also starting your life is tough. I've done it. From England to Ireland, Ireland to Canada, Canada, Ireland, Ireland back to Canada. I and I'm 28. You know, <laughs> I, I've done it a lot, and it it sucks. But there's also, I I kind I kind of I shouldn't say this, but it's kind of that warm feeling of a clean slate that comes with it. Absolutely. Do You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, no one knows me here. No one knows that I have sad times and and bad times. So this is a chance to be a clean slate and meet some new friends. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of good. But at the same time, you you can't hide who you are. No. You should not hide who you are. Yeah. So do you say your medication overall helps?
1: Absolutely. 100%. Could you you function without it? Right now? Long term. uh, Long term, yes. 'Cause I've been actively working towards trying to make things better for myself. Um, you know, and the first step was certainly getting clean. And I and like I and I know that I do still have troubles with my my illness when it comes to substance use, you know. Um and when I say substance use, I do mean cannabis. It can trigger anxiety, right? So yeah. I do still have to be careful with that.
0: Do you um, go C B D or do you like do you go sativa no,
1: or sativa yeah yeah okay it, just because i like to like clean and do stuff while i'm still yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not just go zone out No, no, exactly. <laughs> in the couch <laughs> yeah yeah exactly
0: um so you do you believe medication for you is the best method right now to get your life back on track
1: right now for right me now. no okay but I because I think that i'm I've gotten past that stepping stone. I so for me, I, I feel that medication is a stepping stone for your mental illness. it's It's like that you know when you know something's up and you've got to figure it out and you're you're just at the end of your rope, well, it's OK to take some medication, balance things out for now while you're figuring things out, because this yeah. is not an easy thing to do. It's going to take years and it takes self-work. It takes, you know, looking inward and asking the hard questions to, to see what's happening and, and how you can, you know, stop the yeah. defences.
0: <laughs> well, I get that. I um, I've been on and off medications for years and. When I moved here, I stopped taking my medications. Um, I said, I'm going to try a new slate, new me. And we were living in Kingston. And when it came time to move to Ottawa, I do another big move and a big change. I completely broke. I was a broken man. I was, I was in bad, bad places. Mm -hmm. And um, in January, I went back on medication. And I've been great ever since. But I think my issue is how to deal with change. And I believe medication is great and I agree with that. But therapy is also a big one. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. But I don't agree with the fact that Canada makes makes it a cost. You know, in, in Ireland, it's free. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, for the most part. I mean if you start going to big name people, you're gonna have to pay, obviously. It's like with anything. Yeah. Um, it's like private and, and public, right? Um here I know they're doing so there's some online ones that are free, which are great. But for people like me where I'm like it has to be an in person thing, hmm otherwise it's not gonna work for me. Yeah. Um I think they really need to get their foot out their butt and move forward with that. Because therapy is how people move past medications.
1: 100%. Yeah.
0: If you want to keep feeding the pharmaceutical companies money, keep charging for therapy. But if you want people to be happier and your suicide rates to be lower and you want your functioning economy, you got to make therapy free. (laughs) At least on OHIP. And then have the private ones for the big name people, you know. Mm -hmm. 100%. I've done therapy, I've never done therapy I've never actually done therapy for my anxiety um, I was on the waiting list In Ireland and never got through um, Because I moved here And then came here And my psychiatrist is like, you really need therapy And I'm like, okay How much is it? And it was something like $80 for half an hour yeah. I'm like, half an hour? 80 bucks? Like, yeah. one session? I'm like, Where do you want me to pull this money out of, Doug Ford?
1: No yeah. doubt
0: <laughs> Yeah Exactly. It's like, okay, well, hold on, let me budget which meals to skip this week then. Essentially. Okay, so I can miss medications this day, this day and this day so I yeah. can get the therapy.
1: Yeah, exactly, cuz it's not like your medication doesn't cost over, you know, hundreds of dollars a month. It's ridiculous. Mine's $160 a month. Oh, and, I can imagine.
0: And I called them yesterday and was like, "Hi, like I need to get a refill." And she's like, oh, it says that you should have five left and we don't do anything under five. And I'm like, I have three left. And she's like, no, we double count. And I'm like, I don't care if you double count. I have three left. And she's like, well, we will need to call your doctor. I'm like, you call him. I was like, what, where, do you, where do you think the two have gone? Like, I um, i didn't take them. And like, and it's she's not like, a oh, freaking well, narcotic. Exactly. I'm like, guys, like, if you want me not to take my medication, then it's on your hands. Mm. It's on your hands. Yeah. And they still haven't got back to me about them. So I have one day left with my medication. Wow. So I run out. Yeah. And I tell you what, I'll uh, I'll go screaming down to Shoppers Drug Mart, so I
1: will. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'll be there but, with you. I'll uh, bring the torch. You grab the pitchfork. <laughs> I'm down for <further>. that.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to go a little deep here, um, if you don't mind. And I'd love to know... In your opinion, whether it be professional or yours, what caused? Would you say your fall into melt- mental illness? What would you think triggered it?
1: What do you think trigger like contributed to my mental illness? Yeah, my troubles. Um, it's a collection of things. There was um um a lot of. Mental and emotional abuse, and I'd hate to admit it, but from my parents, okay, not just with me, but from with seeing um witnessing them and how they would treat each other sometimes,
0: yeah, are they still together?
1: Yes, they are. don't yeah. get me wrong my my parents were never physical with me or anything like there's there's a time where I got a couple smacks that I well deserved. we all do <laughs> you we know all do, but um. I when I when I say that it, it stems from the way that I was raised it has nothing to do with like shitting on them. You know, I know that they did that the, the best that they could with what they had in raising me. <laughs> um but uh, like I have issues with with my weight and the way that I look. Uh I I don't, I'm a very odd looking not odd looking but like alternative style type person and i always have been my my father's had a really difficult time with that so that that was a great look going on i don't know what you're on about you got great look going on i said it's alternative not ugly okay um but no my my father always and still has a really difficult time with that Um, Just the looks of disgust that I would see on his face when I'm super happy with the way that I look and he thinks it's the most disgusting thing that he's seen. You know, that's heartbreaking for any child to to have to grow up like I just, you know, you feel like you're a disappointment because everything that you love, they can't stand.
0: (laughs) Okay, Uh, so definitely down to childhood trauma. uh,
1: Yeah, uh, there were some moments of. um, Just. When I was really young, uh, I remember a few different instances with other young girls. Uh, I want to say about, like, the four to five-year-old range, um, where they were coercing me to perform sexual acts. Okay, cool. And, yeah, and uh, I, like, I still have a hard time, like, I, it still eats away at me because I don't know what was going on. And I just remember these girls were like, hey, do this, do this with your your body, you know, it feels good, do this. And it was even inside their homes when their fathers were, like, in the same room, like, hidden in a little tent, you know, telling me to do this with a Barbie doll and... And it even happened after we moved away to BC as well. There was another young girl who wanted me to have a sleepover at her house, and I did. And she had this little tent in her room, and we were in her room. And and she was coercing me to do sexual things. And her, I remember her dad walking into the room, checking in on us. And she just kept saying, it's okay, it's okay, just keep going. And then, you know, I was eight years old at the time. Jesus. So... Stuff like that really bothers me, and it, especially now that I'm older and I see so much, you know, childhood trauma acts happening. I don't know how else to say it, but uh, it always makes me wonder, like, what was really going on, you know? Why would a child want another child to do those things? Exactly. How would they even know? How would they know? That was exactly it. How would and they so, even know? So I really hold that to a big reason why I struggled. Like, I struggled with promiscuity. Huge, huge. Um, you know, my, my body counts probably in the hundreds. And I started very young. And, it, and and it's bothersome to me. Because I never wanted to be a huge slut, you know. But I just I couldn't help myself. Because I felt like it was the only way that... I was desirable to anybody was because of my body. The only way that I was useful for anybody. So, yeah. Good times.
0: Well, it's it seems like you you beat yourself up over something that I mean would 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 met, would mess a lot of people up. Um if you think about it, I mean, my biggest my biggest thing is not on you. It it's on the parents. Um did you ever did you ever mention it to a parent I guess really how would you even word that your child made me do this you know there,
1: there was one moment this was when I was around four or five it was a little girl across the street she was at our house and she was getting me to get naked with my teddy bears or something like that and do some weird stuff and my mom came in and she was just she freaked out she didn't know what the hell was going on she's like that girl's never coming over again you can't talk to this girl anymore and i'm just a kid i didn't know what was going on i was like oh my only friend she lives across the street like i can't see her anymore what's you know and i just knew that it was i did something bad but i didn't know what or why you know i didn't you know so that was kind of the extent of that so after that i never just i just never talked about it yeah what was the
0: bad thing yeah yeah you know that's that's really tough and i find um i thought like i uh, myself is childhood trauma as well but i find it always it seems to be a common thing that it stems from childhood traumas and parents will never ever admit you know because in their mind they were doing the best they could and in some cases i agree a hundred percent you know Mm. i agree a hundred percent Because I have a son, you know, so I know you do the best that you can. But there is limits. There is massive limits. There is boundaries that do you do not cross the fact that that child even knew what to do with that Barbie. That is not something a five year old. I'm sorry. It's just not something a five year old immediately thinks of. It's not. not. So in my opinion, and I'm not saying it's a parent. It could be an older sibling. It could be an uncle and aunt. Or anything, but somebody has has told that child what to do,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's pretty serious. That's pretty. Oh, that's that's a lot. But feeling yourself, making yourself hate yourself, and call yourself uh, a slut for the things that happened. Then you said about what ten minutes ago, fifteen minutes ago, that you were on a path of destruction, mm-hmm. and. I think it's safe to say that we've all done a path of destruction we've all done things that we're not proud of myself included mm-hmm. and beating yourself up over it, it it will it will never cure it will right. never cure. and yeah. trying to forget it will, will never happen anyway it's owning up to it and being like you know what i have done this but no more
1: mm-hmm.
0: no more you know like i'm gonna wait now until i find an actual partner that i want to settle down with you know i'm not gonna do this anymore yeah you know because i i was very similar but my thing was i would date the girl for like two weeks and then break up and date a new girl two weeks break up Mm -hmm. date a new girl for two weeks my that was mine and i was really bad for it in Mm -hmm. my late teens to uh mid-20s it was just another one bites the dust, another one bites the dust. And it, I'm disgusted at myself. It was, I, I got bored. Mm-hmm. It was just bored. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I've owned up to it now. And I've mm-hmm. realized that it was a scummy thing to do. But I've moved forward in my life. And all those people, most of them, some of them, I still talk to as friends. Um, because I always say grace. And I always say face. I always admit when I'm wrong. I always yeah um, honest yeah so that's a big part and it's something that in my opinion if you haven't you, you should do for yourself too because you've done big changes recently mm-hmm. especially moving from i mean it was only a few months ago i was speaking to you that you were moving to bc yeah because i think <laughs> well, I was, it was uh, actually a year ago well <laughs> I, I remember i was coming up north and i said oh we should grab a drink or something oh and you that's like,
1: right and i was like hey, sorry oh, bye <laughs> so no, Yeah. No, no, and no, now... I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we did get to to finally meet or something at somebody's Damn. get together or whatever. It was Dance? at Dan's house. Yeah, it was oh, when okay.
0: I, I'm pretty sure it was when I came up with my ex. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: At Dan's house. Oh, that was a while ago. It was a long time ago. It was 2013, 2014, maybe. No, no. no. 20. Yeah, it was 2015. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that was. That was a good time. <laughs> but um I, I, I don't I, I in my opinion just own it. Mm-hmm. The past is the past and the past will always be shit. It will never be great. As much as mm-hmm. you think parts of it were great, it's always gonna be shit because the future is always brighter.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: You know? So but anyway, going back on topic. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you think if you were to say this to your parents um what happened in the tent what do you think their response would be do you think they would do you think they would believe you
1: i think that they would believe me yeah absolutely i would have no reason to lie about that and yeah you know a weird thing to lie about yeah yeah (laughs) i'm a a pretty i'm a pretty honest person and like you know so um they they would believe me, but I I feel like their discomfort of the situation would probably make them just. They're very infamous for just like sweep it under the rug. Ah, well, let's just not talk about this, you know. And I and yeah, I feel like a that. Time ago. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of sweep it under the rug mentality that I was raised with is a is a huge part of the problem to why I am the way I am today because I so strongly I feel like I I just can't sweep it under the rug but then I'm like well what do I do right because this is what I was naturally grown to you know you just you don't talk about that you just shy away yeah yeah and then here I am like this big freaking you know traffic cone of a person walking around like hey (laughs) I have something to say (laughs)
0: Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, I love it, I love it. <laughs> so what would you say, um, whether it be back then or whether it's now, it doesn't matter, but what would you say are your triggers? What triggers you?
1: What triggers me? Well, that depends, like what triggers me for anxiety okay. or for depression? What triggers you to have an anxiety attack? Um, I Probably the biggest trigger for me is when it's like being blatantly disrespected or not being heard. Mm. You know, when when your efforts are just disregarded. Just being ignored. I wouldn't say ignored. I'm not being ignored, but it's, you know, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Give me why don't you give me an example of a situation.
0: You can use me as an example if you like.
1: Why? Yeah, you're pretty triggering. Um. Oh my. Well, like yelling. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're like, what did this chick just say? I was like, oh my god. (laughs) Sorry. Carry on. Um, yelling, I guess, is one of them. Uh, that was like with my dad. He's a very, very like burly, very loud and. type of person and so it was just some points once once he would start raising his voice unexpectedly it just really set me off and then I'd just go go nuts so oh, so I guess uh there was one time when uh we were all drinking there was a bunch of us my parents my my sister was visiting with her kids my aunt and uncle were there as well. We we're all having a good time and dancing to some song and my mom slipped and and fell on her butt in the kitchen floor and and my father, like, he cares and he was worried and scared, and, you know, scared for my mom and worried about her. But his immediate reaction is to start yelling. And he's like, Jesus fucking Christ, like, what the hell is going on here? Nah, 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 nah. And then that triggers me. And I just started yelling at him. And I was like, she just fell. Check and see if she's OK. Don't treat her like a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. just things like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I get I, that though. I get I that though. On much. <laughs> it's a it's a
0: thing from childhood, right? Mm. So when you get triggered, is it easy for you to calm down? Would you say, or is it or depends on the situation?
1: It definitely depends on the situation and the severity of the scale. Um, I know that I'm a lot better equipped to calm myself down now so that that's a huge bonus but uh i mean if i'm already you know super stressed with things at the time being and then something happens to set me off like it does make it a lot harder
0: yeah okay okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) sorry talking triggers is always kind of weird um because it's like well i'm not in this situation right now so i can't really tell you i don't, I don't know what to tell you i just kind of deal with it as it
1: comes <laughs> cool right now i mean you want to try and set me off like
0: no worries give me <laughs> about 10 minutes there and <laughs> throwing some keywords out so um, yeah i've got a couple more questions and then we'll kind of just mallow it down a little bit if you don't mind
1: don't um
0: i'd love to get your opinion on um, what you would recommend to anybody going through the same thing that you're going through.
1: Talk about it. Don't, don't hold it in. If you, if you feel like you're struggling and you're trying to talk about it to somebody and they're just not really like getting it or, you know, not giving you the support that you need, talk to somebody else. Don't just end it at that, you know? And Know that what you're going through does make you incredibly strong, you know, so hold on to that because it's going to be a bumpy ride, but it'll be be worth it in the end, you know, and then and especially because then you get to do great things and and help advocate like you are and and help other people, you know, get some clarity.
0: Yeah, do my best. How would you describe your journey through mental illness? That's about it. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. that.
1: (laughs) Is it over yet?
0: Is it over yet? I got my receipt. Can I give it back to you?
1: Can I take it back? This... This burned in it like
0: (laughs) no (laughs) journey is a good word as well because it is I I like the word journey and not time suffering or anything like that because it's not always suffering sometimes it's it's revelations uh, static as well though like it's I I sometimes get euphoric on it Mm -hmm. when I'm in such a good high yeah especially with bpd when i hit that good high it's like euphoric it's like i've taken a bunch of ecstasy i'm just like living the dream yeah, yeah. so there is pluses to it it's when you're high you're real high when you're down you're down as they can guess and that sucks that's why that's why i call it a journey because mm-hmm. it's not always down on the end of Depression. no
1: and and there is some like really beautiful sights to see along the way you learn a lot about yourself which is huge and it's... uh you know something that even people without mental and this could stand to use do some more of you know inner work and, and learning about yourself yeah we're, we're such complex creatures you know and it seems like it changes all the time and you got to think, too, like your your mind, your brain is like the, the most powerful thing in your body. It can it can do anything, really. So why wouldn't you work on helping it feel better?
0: Exactly. It keeps you alive and it can kill you at any second. You want to keep it happy, right?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> literally. H- happy brain, happy life. <laughs> yeah,
0: literally. So this question um, is something I I. I really wanted to open with but I want to close with it and it's would you consider mental illness a disability
1: um I I know my mental illness has been very disabling at times but I wouldn't call it a disability because a disability is something that it's permanent and will stop you from doing a whole lot of things right mental illness is not permanent and you're only gonna stop yourself
0: so yeah perfect response because (laughs) i agree it's it to me it's not a disability it's not because we can still do everything that everybody else can do Mm. It's just whether in that moment we can give it 110 percent, whether we can do it to the extent that you want us to or in the time frame that you want us to or, Mm -hmm. you know, this kind of stuff. Like we could do everything you can do. It's just not at the same level. No, higher level sometimes lower level other times, you know, Mm -hmm. that's and that's a big thing. Like uh, when it comes to um i used to be a really big into researching movies okay so because i did a mini podcast where i reviewed movies for a little bit it was quite funny it was called subtitles not included great
1: Great
0: <laughs> uh, really? name. and i went big into researching movies and i put i hyper fixated so hard on it and then i stopped but now even today like when me and the missus be watching a movie I'll just be like, oh, he's in this, 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 and this, and actually, he directed this, that, and the other. And she's like, how do you know all this? And I'm like, I had a period where I loved movies.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I get that a lot. You know, you just will go off into random subjects, and how do you know all this? I don't know. This this just keeps moving, and I gotta keep it busy. One time at fan camp, I just (laughs) (laughs) pretty much, yeah. Uh, Amazing.
0: I just. I really want to thank you for coming on to the show today. Um, It's been eye-opening to see the journey that you've had to do. And the fact that it's quite similar in mine of the moving to different places, Hmm. it takes a toll on you big time, leaving friends behind, family behind. It's, It's tough. And I really just want to commend you for that. Because if no one's told you, well done. Because it's not easy and well done. Likewise. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, Would you um, be okay
1: if we ended it now or is there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, One one slight thing that I would also like to note is that another reason why it's really important to take care of your mental health is because it will affect the rest of your health. Um, I have issues with what is now being determined as Crohn's disease and this is something that I've been, yeah, it's it's something that I've been suffering with since I was 16. It's put me in the hospital a number of times with severe pain that I could only, like, I've never had a child, but I could only, you know, compare it to labor, like hours of waves of pain and vomiting and anyways I won't go into too much detail but um I'm pretty sure to this day that my issues with mental health and my issues with my bowels are pretty tight-knit in hand you know what I mean so take care of your body as well as your mental health because the two could be just going right together the thing I want to add on to that uh
0: for anyone that's listening as hard as this may be go to sleep (laughs) yeah Go yes. sleep. <laughs> yes. Anyone dealing with mental health issues, do not sleep. We do not. We are no, a collective nocturnal insomniacs. <laughs> but go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> Please. Because that is the biggest cure. When I was powerlifting in Ireland, mm-hmm. and I remember my coach, Liam, he was like, if you're not sleeping and you're not eating and you're not drinking water, yeah. you don't come. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I quit cigarettes and I'm back smoking now, but I quit cigarettes. I went. I was made sure to go to bed at 9:30 every night. Me and Vanessa used to have a chat by 10 o'clock. I had to be off that phone because I knew I had to go to sleep. Be up at 5 a.m. and I used to drink five liters of water a day. I was like, and I felt amazing. And oh, I'm not yeah. doing it as much anymore. And I need to get back into it. COVID makes it hard. It does. Um, but go to sleep. Sleep is actually like. Like Liam was right in that, like sleep and water makes a massive difference. And I'm Mm -hmm. so glad that you included this in the end because it's true. Healthy body, healthy mind.
1: That's right. And there you go.
0: (laughs) Nobody can see your comb, but I can see your comb. She's wagging a comb.
1: (laughs) I tip my comb to you, sir.
0: (laughs) All right, Solange. Well, I just want to thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, No problem. And thanks everyone for listening. This has been uh, a day in the life of your brain with me, Martin, and with Solange as well. Uh, Everybody have a great night. And remember, go the fuck to sleep. All right. Bye, guys.